Thank you, thank you. The chief is on hand. Stand to attention there. Pull your gut in. Come on, there. Let's see that. Uh, stand in there. Stand in there, soldier. Pull that gut in. Oh yeah, we're back. I'll tell you. I'll tell you uh, I'm. I'm glad you said that, uh, Ed. I mean, that's a very important point that you have just brought up. Wait a minute. Let's see if I can get this equipment running in here. You know, I'm glad to note that the astronauts just came down. You know, the guys that came down from the space lab. I uh, did a great deal of repair work while I were up there on various types of uh, of uh, highly sophisticated electronic equipment, and they reported that the most efficacious repair activity was to hit things. And, uh, well, I mean, this is an old folk custom that goes back for a long time. I remember my Uncle Carl one time uh, walking up to... They had this radio, you know, that was built in a console, you know, the kind with the legs on it, uh, with the doors that open up. It was sort of a Greek, Roman, Chinese, Gothic style. It was very difficult to determine. In fact, I'll tell you, the style of that radio was pretty exciting. Yet it had uh, it had little carved gargoyles, wooden gargoyles for the knobs. You know, underneath it, it said volume and tone. You know, you could turn it up so it was muffled. That was called bass. You got a muffled cry. So I remember the time that he came walking right up to that that radio. It was making a buzzing sound. He got pretty bugged, you know, and he came up and he gave that thing a good, healthy kick. Unfortunately, he was barefoot, and he got one hell of a shock, knocked him all the way across the room, turned his toenails black. He slid under the daybed there. But you know, I was just saying that uh, hitting often does work uh, when you have a piece of equipment that doesn't work, and often we here at uh, the station here, uh, you may hear a sudden thump. Well, that's us trying to get the transmitter going again or something here. You, and we're trying to get the monitor going. That's <laughs> very good. But I've seen that actually happen. Now, you you, you know, I, I, I have done, you know, national TV. I remember one time on, on one of the big national shows I was on, they had one of the cameras gave them trouble there. And it was an important camera because the camera was especially set up it had all special tint lenses and all that to make the star look just radiant, you know. And by the way, they had uh, the other cameras had the opposite kinds of filter in. Whenever they would uh, dolly over to look at one of his guests, they would look a little emaciated, and they, you know, it would be kind of a greenish tint to the skin and all that. Whereas he looked just unbelievable, beautiful, you know, like a flower in bloom. So in the middle of the show, the TV camera started to give him a little trouble. Well, it was kind of great to see the uh, technical. The technical expert come out of the control and just walk right up to that thing, and he just gave it a shot in the side, you know, with his fist. He just hit it, and it worked. It did. The light went back on, and they nodded, and okay, and then he would... <laughs> so uh, don't uh, don't put down thumping as a means of uh, gaining what you need. In fact, there's an old expression that relates to women in that department that uh, we won't even go into that. That's a, that's... You never know. Betty Friedan may be listening, but... I'm just, uh, I don't make the news, Betty. I don't make the old slogans. I don't make the old folk customs. I only report them, that's all. I said, you know, I mean, I didn't invent the slogan, New York is a summer festival. Don't blame me. You're knee-deep in crud and cigar butts and beer cans on 6th Avenue. Drunks keep walking by, hitting you and spitting on you. That's not my business. I'm just reporting it, that's all. You know, spe- <laughs> speaking of reporting, I since uh, uh, Ed tonight... Uh, the, our, our cohort here tonight uh, just got back from his vacation 
He's still suffering from post-vacation palsy, which is a kind of a post-vacation shock when you get there. There's, a, there's always a, a, a... It's kind of a double-edged sword, though. And uh, a lot of guys are going to be having this during the next three or four months. This is vacation time. It's a, both a love and a hate relationship that you hate to get back. And on the other hand, it's a fantastic sense of relief because it relieves you from a lot of things that you're doing on your vacation that you basically secretly don't want to do. Uh, you know, like go stand and look at the statue, uh, wait in line at the place where they're selling the cards, uh, you know, all that, you know, that silly stuff you have to do on vacation. And, uh, and, and on the other hand, you can always, you can always revert to your normal lethargic self when you come back to work. You know, basically you don't have to do anything, just look mad. You know, and worry about your next coffee break, <laughs> which kind of relieves you of freedom of action. See, man basically likes to be relieved of freedom of action. This is why totalitarian philosophies always have a great deal of lure. Uh, it relieves you of, uh, of uh, freedom of action, and you can always have something that you can gripe about. I imagine that Ed feels a lot better now that he can sit around and gripe about, uh, well, you know, the chief of the engineering department here. Whereas you can't do that when you're on vacation. It's kind of silly when you're out there in Wyoming someplace griping about the schedule, you know. <laughs> it gets so remote. Uh, and you don't know quite uh, what to grab when you're on vacation, what to gripe about. Uh, see, paranoia is a way of life with us today. And, uh, and uh, that's one thing that probably bothers people on vacation. They're sitting out there in the woods and there's nothing but birds and the uh, white fleecy clouds moving over, and, and you don't know quite what to get mad at. Uh, you can't pinpoint it exactly. <laughs> you can't put your finger on it. And uh, I, I, uh, I think there's some truth in that. I, it's, it's just like watching Watergate, you know. It just keeps going on and on like the steady drone of a, of a distant yo-yo. And... Uh, and I, 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 uh, I personally, I think it's, it's one of the great boons of our time. I just, I just think we ought to have a big uh, prime-time uh, senatorial investigation of just chicanery uh, every couple of years just to keep, you know, just to keep the pot boiling. I just kind of like it. Now, now, on the other hand, uh, personally, I think that uh, they're, I'm glad that uh, to take this opportunity tonight to lay at rest to many... Uh, a myth that has been bugging certain of you. Uh, for one thing, um, uh, I, uh, the 4th of July is coming up. I imagine a lot of you people, in fact, I have gotten many letters to that effect. I wrote a story a few years ago about Ludlow Kissel and the great Dago bomb. Did you ever read that story? It's a classic story now already. And I hate to say it, but I, <laughs> it is in a curious way. But nevertheless, this story related to... a. a a, uh, an incident that had to do with fireworks. Well, I keep getting letters from people who have the myth going in their head that fireworks stands and fireworks are somehow out of the distant past, a uh, nostalgic, misty past where barefoot boys with uh, cheeks of tan and freckled faces went trudging down in their bare feet over dusty gravel roads to fish for sunfish in the old creek. And uh, they believe that's out of the past, right, Ed? Nothing could be further from the truth, you fool. In fact, uh, two of our spies just returned. My Ed and Herb just got back from a vacation, which they took 
across country on a Greyhound bus. And they came back, especially Herb, with a stunned look on his face, and he found that across many, many thousands of miles of acreage, of a square acreage in this country, fireworks stands are not only proliferating, but they are, uh, let's put it this way, they are profiting mightily. Uh, <laughs> they are, uh, uh, does that surprise you, Jerry? No, I don't think much surprises Jerry. Uh, no, Jerry's, Jerry spent too much time in the immediate vicinity of horses that run for money. And uh, when you spend time in that vicinity, nothing surprises you. A lot dis disappoints you, but nothing surprises you. That's, that's quite different. Uh, some people take basically <laughs> a negative view of life anyway. But nevertheless, uh, I'd like to point this out to you in case it uh, might uh, be of some uh, confusion. Fireworks are not only uh, in existence, but they are being bought by people every day in sacks brown paper sacks, and they're being shot off with reckless abandon. In fact, uh, not, <laughs> do you agree with that? I'll tell you, I saw a site here just not more than, than uh, three months ago. I was in North Dakota, and uh, North Dakota has long stretches of road that stretch endlessly to the horizon in long, straight lines. you agree with that, Edward? And uh, there's nothing but long fields you can see. In fact, uh, uh, sometimes you can uh, the, the horizon is so far away that it blends with the sky. That's the truth. It's a, it's a, like the word you can almost see the Earth curve around you. Well, uh, I was riding along in a car with some people. We were banging along on the way to some place, a lake or something. We were going to a bunch of guys. When uh, for no reason at all, a guy in the car. Uh, just uh, just like he'd done it all the time. It uh, didn't even get any comment except for me. Uh, he just uh, whipped out of his uh, his denim jacket what looked like a cherry bomb. He proceeded to light it with a cigar. And I said, hey, that's a cherry bomb. Well, he didn't say anything. He just flung it out the window and boom! I saw the grill fly out the car behind us. And it staggered around for a bit and finally got control. And I, thought, I said, what would what, 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 you do there? It was a cherry bomb. He said, yeah, that was a cherry bomb. Uh, so what? And uh, it, it turns out that throwing cherry bombs out of cars is a very popular sport in many parts of the country. And is seen, uh, in fact, I saw it as recent as last week. As recently as last week, I saw this perpetrated just outside of Portland, Maine. Where a car ahead of me, if you're curious what kind of a car it was, it was a 1972 Capri. You know of this car. Uh, it was not an old farmer, just a guy driving a Capri. He seemed to be by himself. He looked like a fairly normal guy when suddenly, without any warning, his hand shot out of the window and he hurled a cherry bomb into the general direction of the world. It went off with a fantastic roar, but nobody even noticed it on the street because apparently this is a common experience of those out there in the hinterlands. Uh, you know, the people out there, the proletariat, out there in the provinces, we like to call them. And uh, so this is not nostalgia. When you hear me telling stories about fireworks, don't think it's nostalgia. Uh, I also wish to lay to rest another uh, myth that many of you have. Uh, I also wrote a story about a county fair. Now, many of you believe that this is a story about the old days, which you, this is a term used largely by see people, by the way. I've rarely heard the term used in places like uh, Scowhash, Maine. 
Uh, I never hear anybody use the term old days in, uh, say, uh, Griffith, Indiana. There are no old days. There are only days in places like Skowhash, Maine, and Griffith, Indiana. Do you agree, Ed? That the, uh, that the term old days is a term that is used largely by magazine writers, uh, usually people who write for magazines like uh, New York Magazine. They use the term nostalgia. Nostalgia really means when they're talking about their hometown. <laughs> that word has become loused up badly. Uh, it's lost a lot in translation. And, uh, and uh, since most guys avoid their hometown like the plague, once they get to New York and make it big as a writer, uh, or wherever, whatever they think they've made it big, uh, as soon as they get here, they, they completely, uh, I mean, you, you, you don't see many of those guys, you know, who work over at Wells Rich, you know, hip agency, you know, saying, I'm going to take the week and go back to a Buffalo Chip, Iowa, uh, my hometown, you know, <laughs> no way. So, so uh, what happens is that it's easily translatable. If you can pretend your hometown no longer exists, you can then also uh, justifiably not go there. And uh, then that eases your conscience, and, and uh, you know, that, that it's a long involved process, friends. This is WOR New York, you agree? I'm getting to some pretty uh, pretty basic truths here tonight. I may upset a few of you, but uh, the belief, though, that Buffalo Chip, Iowa no longer exists is a, uh, is a convenient one. Also, uh, you, you parallel that with the belief that everything has changed in Buffalo Chip, Iowa, hence why go there anyway? It would be just like Plainfield. Well, this also makes you feel a little bit better, so it ex excuses going out there. But anybody who's gone through Buffalo Chip, Iowa in the last two days knows damn well it's there. And not only that, it has not changed a whit. Uh, <laughs> since when? I mean, since, uh, since the oldest inhabitant can remember. In fact, uh, I, I can give you town after town where this is an absolute truth. Uh, uh, and there are real towns uh, which, uh, which the, the chief uh, shopping is done in a store. We tend to think that there's supermarkets everywhere. You know, they talk about the supermarket, uh, the supermarket culture. Well, uh, I, I can tell you towns where they have never, never seen a supermarket except on an occasional errant TV commercial that will filter through from... From, from somewhere in the outside world. Now, I'm not talking about little towns that have only 50 people in them. I'm talking about fairly good-sized cities. And uh, so this, uh, this is, you know, this is, a, uh, this is part of, of, the, uh, of the confusion that lies within the breast of our country. I'll tell you another thing now. Here about a year and a half, two years ago, I did a show that, uh, again, getting back to the country fair scene, the county fair thing, I did a show. I wrote a short story in Playboy called County Fair. Received hundreds of letters from people all over the country talking to me as though I was writing about the old days. You know, old codgers were, Oh, I remember. I am never forgetting the fall of 1897. You must be my age. I'm 76 now. And I remember... Oh, my God. Uh, actually, the, the, the short story County Fair, in case you're curious, was based on a visit which I had made just prior to writing the story, which was in 1969, roughly, wouldn't you say, Jerry? 69. It was 68, 69 in that period. Uh, to the Flemington, New Jersey 
there across the river from New York, within about 20 miles of the George Washington Bridge. <laughs> and all I did was describe what I saw. Well, uh, so the idea that everything is out of the past that does not relate to New York specifically is a current uh, and very galloping syndrome, perhaps because television rarely attends any of those events. I think most people get their idea of reality today from TV. And uh, since uh, you, you rarely see a special, let's say, a, a two-hour special bringing you the Indiana Lake County Fair, you probably assume that there's no such thing as the Indiana Lake County Fair, merely because you haven't seen it on TV. And uh, No, this is the truth. I think a lot of people do not believe a reality unless it's actually on a screen now, even though they themselves will see it with their own eyes. So it's a... This is one of the things I think that's related to uh, some of the aspects of Marshall McLuhanism, that the that the uh, frame around a thing today gives it a sense, uh, not only a sense, it gives it a, a patina of authenticity, reality, as long as it has that frame around it. And uh, you may not have ever experienced anything like that that you see in that frame, nor you may have experienced what you see in that frame. But in any event, it, it makes it genuine. There are a lot of people excited when they see their own town on a television screen. Well, that makes their town somehow real. It, it, it's now entered reality. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's become as real as Walter Cronkite, uh, <laughs> that little three-inch high man that keeps coming out there talking to you with the little button in his ear. He's real. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, I just, I'm just curious, uh, just, just uh, personally, I'm just curious how, how far this will go. Uh, this belief that many writers and people have who live in major centers that uh, that the rest of the country has somehow undergone a spectacular revolution, which incidentally, I think, comes from the fact that their own personal lives have undergone a revolution. All right, everybody, let's dance. Now, I'm going to tell you another thing that may surprise you. Uh, here in New York, we're, we're, we're very hung on basketball. That's comparatively new in New York. I can remember just a few years ago when you could, you, know, you could buy any seat in the house to see the Knicks. Do you agree? And so now, all of a sudden, New York is all hung on basketball. It believes now it's the new sport because it's just hit New York. See, a lot of guys who didn't give a damn about basketball are all of a sudden all walking around talking about, you know, they're talking about uh, Fraser. They're talking about Dollar Bill. You know, they're, they, and they think they're very knowledgeable. Well, around the rest of the country, basketball has been played from the time a kid could walk, and I mean literally the time a kid could walk till the time they finally laid him away. I've seen 70-year-old men out in the backyard playing basketball. Do you agree, Steve? That's not seen in New York. And, and, and poor guys like Larry Merchant like to believe that, that basketball is the New York playground sport. Well, I want to tell you, there is not a playground or a backyard probably from uh, Pittsburgh West <laughs> that does not have a basket on the side of the garage, that does not have a basket in the, in the, in the uh, playground, and it's used night and has been used night and day probably since the time of World War I. 
which means then that many times when we discover something here in New York, we tend to believe it is a New York thing, not realizing that it's, it's already old hat in, in other cities for so many years that, uh, that they don't even think twice about it. It would never occur, for example, to people in Indianapolis to think of, uh, of uh, basketball as the Indianapolis game, and yet there isn't anybody in Indianapolis... Listen, uh, guys in Indianapolis could tell you what a, what a, <laughs> what a graduated fast break was before Larry Merchant ever knew that basketball was played seriously. You agree? Or are you confused about that, Steve? I'm just trying to tell you that, that, that basketball is a, is a sport that has been played seriously by people across the country, far more so than New York. In fact, there's hardly a New York uh, college team around here that, that's worthy of the name when you go across the country and see some of these other great teams around the country. Talking about colleges, where do they come from, you know? Uh, uh, so, so this is part of our problem here in, 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 this, in the city. It's kind of fascinating, too. As, as, you know, when, and I am, I'm, not, I'm not advocating anything here. I'm merely just saying that... that that these happen to be the way, this is the way things are. Now, let's take other things in relationship to sport. Now, outside of New York, you will find that baseball is, 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 is still, in spite of what most uh, comment, uh, you know, comments from the magazine say, baseball still remains the number one American sport. Whether you like it or not, it does. Uh, would you buy that, Steve? I'm talking about large sections of the country. I'm saying also that it never was the number one sport in New York. <laughs> you know what I think the number one sport in New York was? I think the number one sport in New York, and I always related it to New York from the time I was a kid, was boxing. I always thought that boxing was the real big thing in New York. Madison Square Garden you know, and, and uh, championship fights and all that kind of stuff. But I never related baseball particularly in New York. I had some great teams, but... You never think of baseball as the integral part of the city of New York. Uh, you know, it's a thing that was played here. But see, I always thought that things like horse racing, that's New York, you know, aqueduct and, and uh, all this kind of stuff. Uh, the horse players, Damon Runyon, uh, this, is, this is the New York sports. New York did not take basketball seriously until it learned it could bet on it. Uh, the, the New York sport is betting, not sport. <laughs> I'm serious. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with sport. Uh, and, and the phrase point spread is a New York phrase. Uh, it never occurred to, to uh, ball players playing in, in uh, places like the Big Ten that point spread was important. It, it became a big deal out of New York, but that's, that's another thing entirely. But uh, the, the uh, feelings, though, that, that New Yorkers often have, that, uh, that the old days, that word is not, has no meaning, really. Uh, I've never known what old days. Have you, have you ever wondered what old days are? What are old days? You, you take, uh, let's take the idea of movies now. Uh, in New York, people rarely go to movies. Uh, they watch television films. Uh, if you're into cinema, you go to the cinema. Uh, that's another thing entirely. But the idea of the neighborhood movie is kind of an old, uh, it's a just, you know, thing that just doesn't exist. And yet, in, in every other part of the country, uh, the movies, man, I'll tell you, in Waterville, Maine, uh, outside of uh, the movie house there on, um, on uh, Route uh, 95, just goes through Waterville, Maine there, 
every night you see about uh, you know about 1200 cars gathered they've come in from town uh, come in to town to go to the movies uh, there are more people in the movies that are in the town uh, so this is a I wonder where where myth and, and uh, reality stop I really do Ed, you want another thing you know I was up to uh, you talk about uh, talk about things that uh, that we think are part of the past uh, not just just two days ago I'm sitting there and and what do I hear on the air I, I hear them talking about a, a baked bean social Have you ever heard of a baked bean social if you hear about one baked bean social, you hear about a hundred throughout New England. Uh, now, they don't, I never hear WABC saying we're all going down to 72nd Street for a baked bean social. No way. So if I gave you a story on the air about being at a baked bean social, you would assume that's out of the past. Uh, but a baked bean social is a very going thing. Uh, strawberry festivals, for example. Are, uh, I mean, man, strawberry festival. You know, up in Maine, they have, they have uh, uh, no weekend goes by without at least 50 blueberry, uh, they call them blueberry festivals being, being announced on the air. Also, blueberry muffin uh, socials and that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm not trying to tell you that there's no change has happened in the country. There have been many. There's always been change, but many of the rituals remain. The basic ritual continues. Uh, whether it's good or bad is not my point. The point is that the idea of a guy shooting off fireworks remains what he's doing. He's doing it. This goes back to about the time of the Revolution. <laughs> it really does. Uh, shooting off fireworks. I saw a guy one day in Wyoming last year driving along a road ahead of us. I think I told a story. We were out shooting one of the episodes of my television show. And all of a sudden, I see this hand come out of the back window... And I see this, wow, out, arching out across the fields is a green ball of flame. And the guy is driving along his, in his car, and his friend is sitting in the seat next to him, shooting Roman candles out the, out the window of the car. Well, <laughs> there it is. It, uh, it remains. And uh, the, the, I think one of the great rituals of America, really, is the vacation ritual. And we're approaching one now, very much so. Uh, most of the rest of the world doesn't really have a thing like we have, the two-week vacation where people are planning. And I wonder how many guys are planning a vacation right now at this minute that is going to turn into a fiasco. I mean, you know, it's going to fall flat right on its you-know-what. You know, <laughs> it's got... It's got and, and, on the other hand, uh, on the other hand, this, uh, this, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a way of life that we have, uh, and and you go out to places like, uh, you know, you go out to places like like Fargo, North Dakota. There, you, it's hard to meet a person on the street who doesn't know how to milk a cow. You agree? And who hasn't done it within a recent, uh, within a recent time. Now, Ed, who is on, on uh, the board tonight, who is my engineer tonight, just demonstrated to Herb on, on his facility in milking a cow. Now, if I were to tell you about a guy going out and milking a cow, you would swear I'm talking about the ancient past. How old are you, Ed? All right, 28. Ed's 28, and he's milked cows consistently. And he didn't milk them. He milked them in anger. <laughs> These... It wasn't being milked as a gag when Ed was milking cows, right, Ed? 
You were milking cows because the damn things had to be milked. And the finger pointed at you. And uh, so there again is, is another example. Here, here's, here's Ed. He's, he's working as an engineer in a very elegant New York radio station. And yet he's a consistent cow milker. And uh, that probably shocked her considerably. You could squat right down there and get homogenized vitamin D right out of that big thing there. <laughs> so, so again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not attempting to, uh, to argue one way or the other. I'm trying to say, though, that, that the change in the country has been great, and it's been very little. It's been great in technical things, but very little in many of the basics throughout the rest of the country. Listen, there's guys, millions of guys right now are shoveling and, and, and working around and moving manure around with pitchforks right this instant. And I'll tell you, they got up at 4 o'clock in the morning to do it. And they'll get up 4 o'clock tomorrow morning to do it. And they don't even know Norman Mailer.